Welcome to another edition of the ONG Strike Zone. I'm Brian Fulford, joined as always by Kelvin Rozier, Kofi Hemingway, and we are the triumvirate of Rattlers that are going to try to uh, just uh, just you know update Rattler Nation on a few things that's going on as we see. Always showing love to the uh, the school on the highest of seven hills in Tallahassee, Florida, and uh, man, fellas, uh, good reaction. Thanks to everybody who who enjoyed our first episode. Uh, appreciate the feedback. Thanks for you guys uh, for watching. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, I don't know, guys, did we, did we, did we, did we get some pretty positive reviews? No blowbacks. We didn't tick anybody off in the first episode, did we? I don't know. I haven't talked to everybody. I don't live in Tallahassee anymore, so I haven't seen everybody to know. if. But we didn't really go there. I, we, I think we could have. But we didn't. Right, so, phone, in other words, your phone didn't get blown up. But in other words, that's a positive. Exactly. There you go. How about you, Kelvin? You know, everybody was really uh, excited to say it's, it's long overdue that there's a podcast specific to family athletics and that it's rattlers and folks who are knowledgeable and come from a place of love, which give us a little room to to to, to, to go there. Which, which at some point I know we will, but uh, the only feedback you know, uh, constructive was uh, as far as you know, was being the limp of the podcast, um, and we we discussed that, you know. Yeah. See, folks, folks got to understand, man. When I, when I, when I get in, when I get into these uh, podcast chats, you man, I just, I just look, I just get some coffee. And then we we just go talking for days, man. You know, and I, you know, it's like you know somebody's got to hit me over the head with a break and be like, "Hey, O'Brien, let's take a break. I need to go to the bathroom, so or or I need to go get a drink. Let's run two minutes of commercials or something." So uh, yeah, we'll 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 definitely try to be more aware, or we'll try to give you a heads up if it's going to be one of those uh, long extended form podcasts. We'll try to throw in more breaks, so that way you can. uh, you can kind of consume it a little bit better. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram at O and G strike zone. That's O and G strike zone. Find us on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, I, Facebook. I don't know if I, I put the Facebook page up. I don't know if it's up yet, but we'll see. We'll get all that stuff uh, together and we'll kind of go from there. Uh, also want to remind folks, look, we're living in some strange times right now. Almost, I'm not going to say it's deja vu, but I feel like just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, you know, look, just when you thought it was safe to walk outside the house without a mask, we get all these, uh, yeah, exactly. We get, uh, it's time to start. <laughs> in- who, who made that mask? We might need to, you know, look, we don't have any advertisers yet, 
But uh, whoever made that mask, who, who who's the uh, manufacturer of that mask? Let's give let's give a rattler or somebody some love today, Kelvin. Who's the manufacturer? Where'd you get that one? This was actually is a, a local ven, a vendor here, uh, Kenny T. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Nice. All right. We we'll have to look. We we'll have to look that up online and see if we can uh, send some love out. But um, I might have to. You know what? <laughs> I start school in a couple of weeks. So it's kind of, I'm, I'm in that mode. Do I go back to school teaching with a mask, not without a mask? But uh, we, if we want to have a season, look, I, I got a feeling us as fans, we need to be very aware. We might need to go ahead and encourage more people to get that shot so that we have less major outbreaks. Uh, one of the things get vaccinated you know um it, it, look it's not saying it's a cure but it's a helpful something that's going to prevent it from maybe spreading it helps virus. it helps to be able to track the virus yes. and then you know if everybody is vaccinated now we have information as to whether or not the vaccination is or how the vaccination is of course affecting the spread of the virus, um, you know, but just living in the United States of America, a lot of our people um, from all races and cultural backgrounds, A, many of them don't trust the government. Um, and many of them just, you know, they take that whole freedom thing to do exactly what they want to do, not realizing how it affects everything else and everybody else. And so, that's just one of the backdrops of living in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Let me right. just touch on facts while we're talking about this COVID-19 thing right quick. So we're mm -hmm. in the state of Florida. The state of Florida is 20% of all new cases in the whole United States, the nation. We are fifth currently uh, of new cases. The uh, county, Leon County, has just, the, the county has just mandated that all their employees have to be vaccinated by October 1st. Right. Um, the Leon County schools have decided right now that they are going to make mass mandates optional. And I have a six-year-old and of course kids who are under the age of uh, what, 16, they don't have a vaccination available right now. And so I know the local hospitals here, the two main hospitals here, They've opened up their COVID wings and they're about 85% capacity. So unfortunately, things are trending in the wrong way in the state of Florida. And we are Florida and University. So we have to be it would be irresponsible if we didn't just regardless of your beliefs, the science is the science. Yeah. Those numbers are are made of, those are real numbers. So uh do you know, do what we gotta do. Let's, let's get vaccinated so we can have a season and uh, do so safely. Yeah, um, I, I heard a good podcast I was listening to last night by um, um, Coach Mickey Clayton, actually. He, he has a show that he does on uh, his uh, Insight TV channel. Uh, it just came out, so you can go look that up. I think that's Insight uh, with two eyes in the middle, uh, Insight TV but he did a podcast with a couple of health uh, health professionals from the Tallahassee uh, area and great information. 
about the vaccination um, that's out there, especially for those of us who are vaccinated, to even advising us to say, hey, just don't think because you're vaccinated that, you know, you can just run around carefree. And I'll admit, I, I've been running around carefree lately. I, I, I just, you know, it kind of got to me. But but now after hearing that podcast, I'm, I'm a little more aware of things. And I'm going to try to get back on board with, you know, wearing my mask, you know, especially in public places and things of that nature. Uh, and, and also there's a second piece of information. I think, you know, initially we thought about our people in response to the Tuskegee experiment. You know, a lot of people want to group that in to why we don't get vaccinated. Well, someone, I believe this was on a Roland Martin's podcast, uh, I believe uh, made a great point that the, the, uh, the, the Tuskegee experiment was about denying people the vaccination or the medication that they needed. Again, that was denying people. This is not the same. This is totally different than the Tuskegee experiment. So we need to be educating people when someone says that to be able to let them know this two different things. That does not, that does not apply to this. This the government was giving the back, they're giving us a cure. They were denying people back then. Right. I, so right. yeah. So I, I think that's two two interesting points that I think we all need to be a part of the educational process on. And I bring all that up because in this show, we're going to kind of do a um, SWAC football media day reaction. And one of the first things that came out, uh, I know is one of the things that I talked to you guys about from the last episode was about what was going to be the conference's response to COVID and how that would play. And one of the first things SWAC commissioner, Charles McClellan came out and stated at the SWAC football media day was that look we need our teams and our athletic programs to be fully vaccinated we need to encourage student athletes to be vaccinated because there's no room to be forfeiting games i mean or to be rescheduling games and if you have a team that gets wiped out because of you know vaccination rules and contact tracing well you may have to forfeit you may lose a game. So they basically instituted rules that have said, you know, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to go through the same protocols as in someone who's unvaccinated. Contact tracing won't apply to you per se. But if you're someone who is not vaccinated, you run the risk of what? Getting knocked out, getting tagged and being out for 14 days. That's two weeks of the season where you can't be in contact with your team and then add another week for probably just getting back in the shape. That's three weeks of the season gone. And everybody else that you've been in contact with. So imagine if you're a starting quarterback, running back, you know, key wide receiver, defensive lineman, if they're not vaccinated, you they could potentially lose out a, a good quarter of their season due to contact tracing. And if you have those numbers add up on a team, and I, and I think, uh, you know, one of the questions I was asking around is trying to find out what the vaccination rates were among teams. I don't know what it is for Florida a and I, I didn't 
I didn't get a chance to ask Coach Simmons that, but I know, for example, Alabama A&M, over 80% of that team vaccinated, fully vaccinated. You know, so I think that's a major storyline that's come up. What, what are your guys' thoughts on the vaccination rates for each team? I'll, I'll go one step further. What do you think should teams, programs, be doing more to talk to their individual communities about vaccinating and getting vaccinated this upcoming season? Well, I would say absolutely, um, you know, whatever we have to do, it's like all hands on deck. If we don't, we're going to be right back where we were with the whole shutdown of everything. And I want to say quarantine. And that's not the lifestyle that, you know, it affects not just us, our ability to watch football, but it affects the entire economy. It affects everything that we do. So by all means, football teams, uh, podcasts, broadcast, we need everybody to just go on ahead and uh, get vaccinated, do what they can to take the vaccine so that we can um, move forward to eradicate it or it's the effects of the pandemic so that we can move beyond this. Yeah, and I you know the university has... Uh come out with a couple of uh, PSAs with students um, talking, and Dr. Robinson actually, talking about uh, there's no fan without you getting vaccinated and so forth. And so they're trying to message and, and get that information out and, and that just needs to continue. Um, I know that we have a COVID testing site at Bragg Stadium and have had so for a while. And we also have um, actual vaccinations, all three on campus, free, free, no charge. So we have no excuses. Um, I, my understanding, I've, I've heard that, uh, you know, in terms of athletic staff, coaches, and athletes, uh, that I, 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 I numbers are high. Um, I can't say if it's a hundred percent or not, but I know it's, it, it's, it's, uh, pretty, pretty high. And I think the coaches and administration feel good about where FAMU is. I was disappointed to hear some of the uh, swag, but I appreciated the honesty at the uh, swag uh, conference where a couple of the schools in Mississippi and so forth are weren't, weren't they weren't even at fifty percent. Yeah. So so we, we obviously we have some work to do. Yeah, well, that, that's that whole Mississippi, um, Louisiana, uh, what's in Alabama, Georgia, that those those areas are some of the lowest vaccination rates in the country. And, and I know it's a it, it was brought up at the SEC football media day, which was a day before the SWAC football media day. So it kind of made sense that the SWAC sort of having the same footprint as the SEC and Dr. McClellan brought, brought that up about what's going to happen. You know, it's, it's, and it, 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 there's no, there's no going back on it. it this is what's going to happen when a team has a situation where you have to not play and God forbid, I mean, can you I, look I, again, I brought this up in the last episode. I cannot imagine. I hate to even think about a classic and one of these great classic games that people are preparing for to somehow be wiped out because your numbers 
don't allow you to feel comfortable taking a team on the road. I mean, if you lose 20 guys due to contact tracing, are you really taking a team on the road to play a game? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, that that's a good depth. That's a good portion of your depth that's gone. Probably a third of your team right there, gone. So, um, and that's a reality. And there's a lot of losses, financial and otherwise, that will happen if something like that happens. Um, I will say, the one school that I've seen do a video or like a promotional kind of campaign, I saw Alabama A&M do a video and I was, you know, I was kind of doing my searching out there and kind of asking the question whether any other schools have put together any videos. I'm not talking about anything as bad as, uh, you know, what, what's the, what's, there was, there was somebody who did a video to a, to a popular song, uh, uh, vax that thing up or something like that. I don't know. Something as bad. I don't think anybody's done anything as bad as that, but, but I mean, it's just uh, one of those things where, you know, show a bunch of videos and some clips. Yes, there is a song called Vax That Thing Up. Yes, Kelvin. I, I see I'm going to get up, man. I got <laughs> I just heard it the other day and I was just like, man, my gosh. Um, yeah, so, it, but look, Homecoming, you know, what is it, October 30th? Grambling's coming to town. I mean, the anticipation is going to be high. We need We need as many folks vaccinated because like you said florida is already a hot spot i look mess around they'll be like no nah, you can't have that many people come to homecoming sorry you can have a game but no not all these extra activities no no so uh let's kind of get into talking about the swack football media day um let me just go through for those who may not have heard the predicted order of finish uh, obviously, FAMU is in the SWAC Eastern Division from the bottom to the top in the SWAC East. Well, let me go to the SWAC West first, and then we'll get to the East. SWAC West from bottom to top, at, uh, from the bottom to the top, Texas Southern at six. Arkansas Pine Bluff is the defending SWAC West champion from the spring. They are picked fifth. Prairie View A&M, fourth. Grambling State. Uh, who is third. That's, again, the homecoming opponent for FAMU. Uh, Southern picked uh, second. We traveled to Southern, I believe, right after the Grambling State game, the week after. And then Alcorn State picked first. Um, Who else do we play on that from out of the West? I forgot, guys. Who else? UAPB. Wow. Fine Bluff. Yeah. Fine Bluff. So, yeah, and that's on the road too. So that's going to be we we got three of the. I, I'm not going to lie. That's going to be an interesting game. I think all, Arkansas Pine Bluff. What are your What are your thoughts on the SWAC West predicted order of finish, guys? I think they're disrespecting UAPB. Um, right. You know, I think I think that you know with the way that they went into Baton Rouge and played. Uh, a pretty good Southern team. Uh, I mean, they were killing them. They were up by like almost like 20 some odd points before Southern came back to life. <clears throat> but when you're able to do that in Baton Rouge, um, that speaks a lot about the team. Uh, this was a solid team. They went into Grambling and just annihilated uh, Grambling State. So I think there's a lot of disrespect to UAPB. 
they are well coached. They have a lot of good, solid athletes. Um, they were in close games. I mean, they beat Tennessee State uh, a couple of years ago. So this is not some team that's just just popped on the scene. They've been building towards this particular moment. So I definitely think that they're disrespecting UAPB. I think UAPB definitely needs to be probably maybe around third, third or second, because they beat Southern so handily in Baton Rouge. Yeah. What about you, Kelvin? Okay, so I, I, what I like about doing predictions when I do them is I like to have some context and some some parameters. So I'm going to share some things before I give my opinion on the sweat with that I, I kind of looked at, right? So teams who play the spring schedule, I anticipate as the season goes on, they'll start to wear down sooner physically because they put that wear and tear on, those, on their bodies during the spring. We'll see if that actually um, comes from fruition, but typically, you know, football is such a brutal contact sport and having basically two seasons within the same calendar year to me is tough. So I expect for those teams who played in spring to wear down more quickly. Um, the other, another thing that I looked at was the, continu the continuity of the coaching staff and system. There's a lot of movement that happened with coaches in the SWAC and um, learning new systems. Then we had a lot of transfer in and a lot of transfers out. And Kobe mentioned about Arkansas Pine Bluff. They were one of those that had a lot of transfer out. So, so I, I'll get into that. The, the other thing I looked at was experience and returning starters. You know, who you got coming back and how did you perform? And then lastly, schedule. And um, I, and, and I'll, I'll give you that. And, and with that, I'll tell you how I predicted the, the West right now and why. So I have Alcorn State at, at the top. They didn't have a spring. So they should be pretty healthy. They got a nice uh, group coming back core. Um, the staff is pretty much in place. They have continuity. And they, they won't. But what four out of the last five or something like that? Uh, so Six of the last uh, swag east. So 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 uh, you know, and they're now now they're on the west, right? And I just think the east is is a lot more parity in the east. In in the west, uh, I, I think there's some opportunity there. And I'm gonna tell you why. So I kind of went back and forth as so I, I kind of got Pine Bluff and Southern uh, both as in second place right now. My issue with Pine Bluff is that they had their top right receiver, they top DB, and they top defense alignment all transfer out. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they're going to be as talented as they appeared to be in the spring. So we have to see. That's, that's losing quite a bit of talent there. I'm saying they top people. And um, then I look at their schedule. They kind of have a tough out-of-conference schedule. I think they got the University of Arkansas. And then on the, uh, the East teams they have to play, they have to play uh, uh, FAMU and Alabama State. And so uh, so they, 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 uh, they, they've got a tough schedule. So I, that concerns me for them. Southern, the biggest issue for me right now, 
They have a tough out-of-conference schedule also. And then in the East, they play Jazz Shoe, FAMU, and, of course, uh, uh, um, I can't remember the other. A&M? Uh, Bethune. No, Bethune, right. So so they, they, they've they got a tough uh, tough side along with a tough schedule. Then they got a new staff. That really concerns me. You know, Coach Odoms is at now in Norfolk State. You, we know Southern to have talent. They're used to playing in big games and classes and so forth. Uh, the, the, the new coach has been there, so I don't know how much he's going to change the system, but you never know how that works out when a new person sits in the big chair. Then we have Gremlin State right behind them, and, and the thing with them is they got a lot of new staff, new coordinators and so forth. And I think what hurt them in the spring was they, they, they transferred outs, right? They lost like two offensive linemen, starters, that went to – one went to another LCS program and Big Waddell from Tallahassee, Florida, right? He had been a three-, four-year starter, right? For them. So, uh, I, I and I thought it showed they really struggled offensively um, running and, and protecting the passer. And then the, the, the two Texas schools, I just don't know if they have – the talent in the coaching right now to 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 move out the cellar. So that's kind of how I see the way. Just a quick correction. I, I told you wrong when you were talking about Southern's uh cross uh cross division. It's um Mississippi Valley State. It's okay. not so it's it's FAMU and Jackson State and then they uh they they go across the uh across the way and play Mississippi Valley. Um yeah, and Alabama or Arkansas Pine Bluff. Um, we're talking about the West. Arkansas Pine Bluff has to play both of the Alabamas and FAMU. Right, that's tough. So, I mean, that's tough. Um, yeah, I you know I agree with you on Alcorn State at one. I that was my prediction. Now, one of the things that uh, AD Drew brought up to me. I didn't even think about this. The fact that Alcorn is actually because of the, the sanctions and the penalties from forfeiting, they only have three home games. Right. So in conference, they're basically playing six road games in conference instead of four. So their two home games are Grambling State and Prairie View, but they're on the road against UAPB, Mississippi Valley State, Texas Southern, Southern, Bethune and Jackson State, all of those, and I think two of those were were supposed to be home games, uh, and that'll also play into effect next year because I think the Florida A and M game will end up being at FAMU next year. So I think FAMU will get a bump in the number of home games next season because of the Alcorn punishment for forfeiting. Or, or doing what they did in the in the uh, in the spring. Um, now, I I actually I think Grambling is the team that I have sort of rising from the ashes this year. I, I think I think Broderick Fobbs will have a good season. I actually think when it comes down to the Bayou, I've actually went as bold as said Grambling will beat Southern in the Bayou. I'm that crazy, you know. But I, I think. I'm liking the fact that Fobbs is going to take the the disrespect card. Now, that's to say UAPB is also going to play that card too. 
those teams, both of them are going to come in with a chip on their shoulder and feel really disrespected. And it'll be interesting to see. I think UAPB has the better quarterback of the two. The question is, like you said, when you lose your top wide receiver, when you use they lost guys to division one FBS, those guys didn't just go to another FCS. They went up, yeah. which is, which is rare. I mean, think about this. How many, we, we talk about FBS guys coming down. I don't think we've seen historically too many FCS one double A guys going up that happened to a ton of HBCUs this year. Yes. So that, that tells you the kind of talent that was sitting in some of these schools. I mean, Alabama A&M had a guy defensive player. He's not Florida state. Yes. So, you know, it, it just, there was a lot of tap Prairie View A&M had a guy, one of their, one of their main guys that, so that just tells you there's some talent there. And so, like I said, I, I, I've got all corn, coming out of the West. All right, so let's look at the East. The East predictions from the bottom to the top. Uh, Mississippi Valley State at six. Bethune-Cookman at five. Alabama State at four. Jackson State pick third. FAMU pick second. Alabama A&M pick first. So, you know, for, for me... Uh, uh, Kelvin, I actually I went with Fam over Alabama A and M. Now, I'll tell you, I'm on the fence about that Alabama A and M FAMU game because I know that's a road game for FAMU. But I think I'll be I have, no road game. <laughs> it is the only factor. I only have FAMU losing once in the division in conference. I actually have them finishing at seven and one overall. I've got Alabama A&M losing in the magic city. And that kind of hurts them um, in terms of winning the East. So that's just my prediction, but I do think the, the X factors in that division are going to be Alabama state and Bethune Cookman. Those are the X factors. Um, Kofi, what, what's your, What's your breakdown of the East? And then we'll go to Kelvin with his uh, with his breakdown. It's really tough. And, you know, just really right now um, with this just being preseason predictions, um, FAMU is loaded uh, on both sides of the ball. Um, the difference comes down really to quarterback play. I think by the time FAMU plays, Alabama and then we will have settled in on who our QB is going to be. That being said, um, Akil Glass is off glass. And he is the reason why I would put Alabama and them at one. I will put FAMU at two. Jay State at three. Cookman at four. Um, and Alabama State at five. And Valley at six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, the every every week though, it's going to be a dogfight. Like yeah. Mississippi Valley State is returning a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a transfer QB that had an opportunity to play in the spring. Um, they're you know they play fam you at home, and that's going to be very interesting. It's kind of like when we used to have to go up to Del- Dover, Delaware to play. Um, 
it would be kind of interesting or Howard, it'd be interesting from time to time, just simply because um, it could be a trap game. And uh, they also almost beat Tennessee state. Um, yes, they did. I remember that. Yeah. And uh, Alcorn State. 20, huh? And, and it was Jackson state, right? They almost beat Jackson. Yeah. 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 So they, they're our legit football team. They're not as strong. They're not as loaded. But if you don't come to play, they'll beat you. Um, and that's just the, the name of the game really in, in the SWAC is that every single week, you've got to bring it. You've got to bring your A game. If you don't, you will get beat. But that's my prediction for the, for the East. It just, I, just, I, I want to pick FAMU. But I just think with the with the uh, consistency with the QB play, obviously if FAMU gets a QB, I think it's going to be lights out. We if if that QB plays seventy uh, percent of his ability, we're going to we're going to sweep it. Um, I think that uh, I just think that Akil Glass is just better right now. He's the Brady of the division, and uh, that's the reason why I put A and M over. Plus they play FAMU at home. Yeah, they uh, a lot of people. What you said about Mississippi Valley State, a lot of people are saying that about Texas Southern as well. Uh, no, well, no, no, I no, no, really, no, no I, I, I not never yet. Heard people say that <laughs> Texas Southern is they're young, yes, they're young, but they've done some recruiting uh-huh. and that they're not going to be an easy out, they're not going to be an easy ticket in, in terms of easy W's. Uh-huh. They're going to catch somebody. On it, they're going to be that trap game. If yeah. you get looking ahead, Texas yeah. Southern is the team that's going that's going to catch somebody, and that's why you know I've had a couple of people say, "No, nah, they won't go winless." Now they they may get one or two, but they're not going to go winless. And Mississippi Valley State, probably in a similar vein, you know, there'll be people saying the same thing. Um, so that 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 holds. Yeah, I, here's what's funny. People who have covered the SWAT last 20 years, and I asked some of the guys who've been there, and, and they, you know, because it's hard to gauge in these media days, is this, is this, you know, is this me being sort of just in the moment, or is it really feel like there are six contenders? And I promise, they're, they really feel the media people who've been coming to these things for a decade, and they've, they've been in the league for 20 years, they really feel there are legitimately six teams who can win this conference. Not just three, not just Alcorn, Grambling Southern, not your traditional three. No, they really feel like, especially with the inclusion and just this one of those years, there are six legitimate teams that can win. And like you said, any any given Saturday, there's no there's no cakewalk games among the eight. No cakewalk games. Support the Black College Sports Network so we can continue to provide you coverage. Go to myjbn.com slash support and be a part of the Black College Sports Network. Have you had your Earthblend coffee today? At Earthblend Coffee, we take pride in offering you the very best of beans across the world. Blended and roasted to perfection, giving you superior quality and satisfying and flavorful taste. Experience the world in one cup with Earth Blend Coffee.
It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Cavill of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard as well as the upcoming week of HBCU Sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Watson and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. Follow the Black College Sports Network on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Uh, Kelvin, go ahead. Let's give, let's hear your your analysis, your breakdown of the uh, of the East. Yeah, well, like you all talked about, the East is. I think there's a lot of parity because there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of good players, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. And so, for me, just like with you all, it was a toss up between FAMU and Adam. And I'm choosing the fam you, and now I'm going to give you some numbers as to how I, I did that, right? So, fam you is returning seven defensive starters and eight of their top reserves on defense. They're returning eight offensive starters and 12 of their top reserves from their 2D two two depth chart from 2019. So, they're experienced and they, they're talented and experienced. But to go along with that, they also added some key transfers in. So you got uh, Savian Williams, Pruitt, the wide receiver, uh, the Boulder boys, uh, DBs from um, Mercer, and you got Atkinson, the pass rusher, and McLeod, a, a big running back, uh, six, six foot one, two, thirty guy from um, Savannah State. And you got two offensive linemen from Florida State, Williams and Honor, on Arnold. So we already had Rat Boys 2.0, almost our entire wide receiver team coming back. Uh, you had pretty much the entire running back core, five, six deep, coming back. You had the entire tight end core coming back. Um, you had your best offensive lineman and three or four starters coming back. Yeah, Marquise Bell, preseason All-American, coming back. You got uh, Herman Jackson, who was a starter in 2018, coming back. You got Mayweather in the middle of that linebacker coming back. You got the, the best kicker probably in all of football coming back. Yep. So that's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. With those transfers and all that talent. The, you're absolutely right. The question is quarterback. We saw um, the, the right now the, the number one starter play 
He started against Morgan State, won that game, and he finished the uh, A&T game. Um, local, local kid, McKay, from Garvey. So we have a short um, sample size, but ultimately he's 2-0 as a starter. So uh, with all this telling and so forth, uh, I gave the edge to, to FAMU over um, A&M. They scheduled surprisingly similar. They also played South Carolina State in the Iowa Conference. And we played pretty much the same teams out of the West. So the one thing I didn't hear you or Kofi mention that really took the, the FAMU for me is that Alabama and M schedule is absolutely brutal. They play all their best teams in the first seven weeks, right? Yeah. Back to back. They got one bye week. But who do they play right before they play us? Homecoming. Their homecoming. Mm-hmm. And who they play for their homecoming? Jackson State. Amen. <laughs> when I saw that, I said, woo. They get up twice. Yeah, after they already going through and have to play us, have to play. When do they play Alabama State? Hey man, and then the other thing I I I dinged them on. I watched them in the spring and they don't play defense, and they lost their top pass rusher to Florida State. So so for those reasons, I I gave uh uh FAMU the nod over Alabama and them, and I totally agree. to me, the Thune, Cooper, Jackson, and Alabama are all kind of in the same boat. They could be spoilers. They could rise up and 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 perhaps be a challenger in these. Um, my issue with Jackson State is that they they basically don't have a new squad. They feel they're gonna be talented, of course, but new new squad, new coaching staff, and they starting off with FAMU. That's tall order. All right, and so uh, you know, and they got a tough schedule. So I'm worried about that. I actually like Alabama State. Um, you know, it got to me the best running back in the SWAT, a Florida guy. And um, I really like the offensive line. They had four freshmen, uh, redshirt freshmen starting in the spring, and they and they they need to look really good. They're one of those teams. If you don't get them this year, <laughs> look out next year because they and strong. his teams, he'll in these teams. They always play good. They're very tough. Yeah, now Bethune, I, I don't know what to expect because of the turmoil with administration and and all that, but you you know they got talent, right? And of course, the, you know, um they they got a new office coordinator that they just hired. So so you have to see that play out. But at the end of the day, as we, we all discussed, there's a lot of parity on the east and um and 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 I, I believe injuries might come into play, and it might become a thing of attrition. Who has the depth? And in my opinion, fam, you had the best depth for, out of out of everybody needs. Hmm. What was your What was the question you asked, Kofi? There, you asked. Uh, I, I just pulled up the, my schedule grid here. What did you when ask? Does, when does A uh, and M play Alabama State? Within that stretch, that is. You know, every SWAC team plays a tough stretch of games. Like, like Southern plays, I think they start with Purview, and then it's all corn. Wait, it's Purview, UAPB, 
Alcorn, FAMU, Jackson State, and Grambling. That is a tough stretch of games. Um, and like you said, the, the Alabama a and plays Jackson State and FAMU back-to-back. What game do they play after that? Is that Magic City? Well, they actually have a bye. Oh, yeah. they, have, they have a bye after playing FAMU. But, but here's the stretch that Alabama A&M has. And it's already been um, – you know, they, they Connell Maynard believes that October sort of decides what happens. And there's that three week stretch at the beginning of October, week five, October 2nd, where they're on the road at Grambling. Then they host Jackson State, which is homecoming, like uh, Kelvin just said. And then there's the FAMU game at home the following week. Then they have a bye. Then they play the Magic City Classic at the end of the month. Now, I'm going to go one step further outside of Grambling. The two weeks before that, leading into the Grambling, they're at Bethune-Cookman after a bye, and then they play Tuskegee. Yes. So, look, don't sleep on, you know, which we've seen Tuskegee give fits to Alabama State. And, you know, that's, you know, that we know the Tuskegee program is going to be well coached. And they usually are going to be one of those traditional powers that are going to be a headache in the SIC. So they're not going to be scared of Alabama A&M, not at all. So that's a game that there's a five-week stretch where A&M is playing at Bethune, Tuskegee, at Grambling, then hosting JSU and FAMU. So that's that A&M stretch there. Uh, now, you brought up the defense, though, Kelvin. I will say this. The, the, the addition of uh, Coach Bulware from who was formerly the defensive coordinator with Connell Maynard at Winston-Salem State and then later became the head coach at Winston-Salem State after he left, that combination won, and, well, not won, but got to a couple of national titles. So if Alabama A&M, and they got some transfers on defense, so they lost a kid to Florida State, but they picked up like plus two or three guys. So if the defense is half as good or half as improved as, you know, what they were, they could be dangerous. They could be they could be where they need to be to be a nine win team at minimum this season. Um, I think, though, I'll tell you what, though. The the stretch that the thing about Alabama State for me, I don't know at what point in the season. I feel like this is a a, a make or break year for Coach Donald Hill Ely, new athletic director coming in uh, this year. I think he might be at the end of the contract because uh, he's been there a few years now, and I just feel like he's got a tough schedule. He has to start the season playing Miles College. That's not going to be easy. Then you end the season with Tuskegee. And somewhere in the middle, you got to deal with, get this, Bethune, FAMU, UAPB, and Jackson State. That's a stretch there where, I mean, look, if, if Alabama State comes out of that two and two, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a positive. But if they come out of that one and three, God forbid, oh and four, I don't know if Donald Hill Ely, I don't think they would make a move 
going into the Magic City Classic. But there'll be a lot of people, you know, I that's part of the reason why I picked Alabama State to beat AM because I have a feeling that they'll be playing for Coach's job. And Magic at the Magic City Classic, they're gonna be playing for Coach Healy's job to hey, we we love Coach. We wanna we wanna keep Coach here. Well then go beat Alabama AM. And that's where I think that happens, you know. Um, he's a he's a solid coach. Um and but no question about it, he's on the hot seat. I think the thing that saved him this spring was him beating Jackson State. Um, yes. And, you know, just really with the whole comment and everything you made, I'll give me my shoot. But um, really with that, it's uh, – sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, God. Really with that, it is uh, – He's a phenomenal coach. I just think that Alabama State is one of those programs that believes that they should be in the upper echelon. Every single year, Alabama is a football state. Um, now that Alabama AM has won the SWAC, they are going to be all in on trying to make sure that they are competitive, uh, at least in the upper echelon. Not to mention that, but, you know, uh, in every other sport, I think as far as all conference uh, athletics programs go. Alabama State is winning across the board with every sport except uh, football. Mm-hmm. And uh, football is the crown jewel. They have that great stadium. They have the facilities. They have uh, the alumni base. They have the fan support. They feel like they have everything that they need to be successful. They just have not gotten it done. But uh, Hill has done a phenomenal job recruiting. Uh, they are going to be tough. It's just, it's just one of those things that they're in a buzzsaw of the SWAC East, and that's just not going to be. That's a gauntlet of teams that I just don't see them coming out of unscathed. Right, right. Um, I want to add one other point here about Bethune because I thought these votes happened the night before. Because the press release on when the predicted order finished came out the day before. But I tell you what, guys, if if people had seen um, Ontario Johnson and Teron Mallard, who came with Coach Sims, who were by far the biggest and tallest student athletes, people might have changed their votes. Because when – I I, don't, I forgot – I think – Teron Mallard is like 6'5". The linebacker, Ontario Johnson, now he's only listed as 6'1". I'm 6'1". He was bigger than me. He's about 6'3". And both of those two, they just had a presence and a size that just kind of dwarfed. I mean, maybe with the exception of Keenan Forbes, the, the two guys from Bethune were the two tallest guys in there. And I And I feel like, that was a great play by Coach Sims to just, hey, I'm going to bring my two big, biggest guys and we just going to come in and impress. We're just going to stand up next to people and look down on you. You know, I, I feel like that was a great play by Coach Sims. But in looking at the media guide, and this is something a lot of people don't know, the quarterback situation at Bethune, you know, Kevious Williams have been there for, what, last three seasons? Now they move over to – Shannon Patrick they call him Shannon the Cannon Patrick who was a part who was part of the the two quarterback system at UAPB uh in 2018 and 2019 
you know, and then he finally transferred and then Skylar Perry became the main guy. But UAPB's offense was humming in 2019, 2018, and that was in large part with Cannon and Perry. I mean, both of those two guys were, I, mean, I believe, you know, Cannon was more the thrower, Perry was more the runner. At least that's how, you know, it kind of was, was, was pitched. But both of those guys had good numbers. And so that's who Bethune is going with. And I just think, look, Bethune is going to be able to walk in and say, we haven't lost to anybody in this SWAC, at least under Coach Sim. They got a 5-0 and record against FAMU. They've beaten Grambling, Jackson State, Mississippi Valley State. I, I think there's whatever it is that Bethune has, Coach Sims has never lost less than, what, two or three games. He's never finished below 500 in the conference when he was with the MEAC. I, I, that's my sleeper team, Bethune. I, I just really hope we are we are ready for that challenge at the end of the year because I would not be shocked to see Bethune sitting in third place, a game out of first place by the Florida Classic. I would not be surprised at all. And that, to me, scares the living heck out of me. But I'm just saying, I I, I just see it. I just I, I ain't scared of Bethune. I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah, afraid of Bethune. Yeah, he's good, brother. Yeah. What is that? Bubble that? Bethune. Yeah, I ain't scared of no Bethune. Okay. Um, I, I think said, that, I said that for the last eight nine years, and and you know, you know there's a you know this could be a know, totally separate topic. This could be a totally separate topic, but again, going back to that whole sabotage thing that happened with the family athletic program, um, us being on probation all of those years, um, the champion incident, all of that stuff was a, I want to say, a whirlwind of activity that gave Bethune-Cookman an opportunity to get inroads or to dig their roots in in recruiting, to get their roots in, uh, to gather their resources for their program. Their president made a larger commitment. They had, they upgraded their facilities. They upgraded their weight room, their their whirlpool, their recovery, um, different things like that that go into a successful program while FAMU is still trying to put the pieces together, not to mention that we FAMU literally could have won about four of those games. Yeah. Um, the Even Boucher's year when he was the uh, the head coach down there, it went into overtime. They had a trick play at the end going for two that should have been stopped. Um, Ryan Stanley's last three games were all winnable games. Um, it just came down to... Uh, questionable play calls at the wrong time. Um, just little stuff, little foxes, just destroying the vine. Plus depth, um, which had been a major problem uh, because of the probation. And then uh, the endurance of the team. Family has all those X's crossed. We've got depth. We've got talent. We've got consistency across the board with the coaching staff. There's no reason why FAMU should not um, – beat Bethune Cookman this year I, I I don't all great points Kofi this is my only little I'll toss a, a pebble into the water and just say Bethune feels like it feels like but with everything going on at Bethune administrators leaving uh new president uh all kinds of changes happening 
what's the one sport that's going to rally everybody? And I just Football. feel like, right. Football. So if, and if, they, if Bethune, who's predicted fifth in the East, has a good season and Coach Sims does what he does, they bring and they're, 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 they will bring a sort of pride and a sense of renewal back to that community that will be very look that that'll be a very dangerous thing to play with come Florida classic time to play against at Florida classic time. I, they I just, always play, but they always play extremely scrappy, no matter who they play against. They play with a ton of energy. Yeah. They believe that they can win. Um, yeah. They have Florida speed on both sides of the ball yep. and you just have to be ready to play. I think um, just really going after it. Um you know, especially in a rivalry game, those games can go either way. You just have to come in and be met, have the mental fortitude and the game plan to just go in and just kick tail. Right, right. Um, let's transition to a couple other news and notes, topics that came out of media day. I want to get your guys' reaction to this. Uh, one of the uh, one of the headlines from the Jackson State side, and and really didn't even have to do with 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 Coach Deion Sanders. It more so had to do with his son. Shador, who uh, whose comments really caught fire, I would say maybe 48 hours after kind of things had settled down with once once we kind of had a better understanding of what happened with with uh, with his father and the virtual press conference and all that stuff. Then it started getting out via HBCU uh, uh, game day. Um, his comments. And I, I didn't, I was trying to pull it up, but I'm just paraphrasing. I'm going to paraphrase some comments that Shador said that the JSU team is just very different from every other SWAC school. And, uh, and when he says that, he's talking about the fact that they're going up against an SEC-type defense. And he also pointed out yeah, um, that team is made up of guys who wanted to come to an HBCU but didn't need to come to an HBCU. Uh, what are your thoughts on? I, I, and I, first off, I don't know if you if you guys did you guys read the quotes and, and yeah. you heard. Okay, so oh, let, me start with you. let me start with you, Kelvin. What are your thoughts hearing the Shadur, who has not taken a snap? Yet, as a college quarterback, and you hear those comments, what are your thoughts? What do you think uh, the uh, the Rattlers in that locker room, uh, well, especially on that defensive side of the ball, what do you think those guys are chomping at the bit like? So, I think he was being honest, and I think that, uh, you know, he, he's a rookie. And I believe that, he will – I don't think he meant to give bullet the floor material. I think that's how he feels. Um, but I think he will gain res- more respect from the caliber of talent that other teams have too. And I, I know we talk about some of the recruits that are coming in, both high school and, and college, to JSU under Dion. Now, I will say freshmen are still freshmen. And when they come in, you know, what they did in high school don't mean nothing. So you got to 
especially on the line of scrimmage. You don't know how that's going to work out. The other thing I would say is some of those transfers, they set the bench where they're coming from. So we don't know how talented they are. And, and the most important thing is they haven't been together with the team. And so even if you got talent and so forth, it takes time to learn the systems and and to build cohesion within the team. What would be interesting to me is how this team reacts to adversity. Because there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of folks anticipating that, you know, right out the gate, they're going to be um, game and they're going to win. And and I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they'll be competitive. I think they have opportunity to win, but I don't think they're going to win like like they think. And they could. Again, you got a rookie quarterback who's never played. And they their their first three games are, are, are rival games, right? Against quality D1 talent. Right. So so I I I think um I, I don't mind a young man speaking, speaking his mind and so forth, but but I, I believe if he's around next year, he won't say those words. <laughs> Probably be a smart idea. What about you, Kofi? Uh, I agree with uh, my brother Kelvin. I think that uh, you know it's it's young speak, and uh, I would say that many times young people just don't know the ramifications of their words or the power of their words or the extent of their words. But I guarantee you, every other SWAC team has his words on the wall, just like. Um, uh, Coach Donald Hill Ely had heard all week long uh, for two weeks that Jackson State was going to come in and just beat them and, you know, just kick their tail, et cetera, et cetera. That's bulletin board material that these other teams are totally fired up. They don't play hard against any other team. They're going to go, they're going to give it. They're all against Jackson State. And, and many times that effort um, translates into victories, but just like uh, Kelvin stated, uh, he's a rookie. So he hasn't seen all the defenses. He hadn't had to deal with the crowd noise. He hasn't had to deal with the adversity or what it, what it means to be like uh, under that, that measure of pressure. <coughs> Excuse me. But, you know, just on a daily basis. So, uh, He'll, he'll come to learn, as as, the, as they say back in the day, you're going to learn today. And I believe he's going to learn this here year. Hey, let me just pull Coach Maynard. Get some more five stars. <laughs> Listen. Look, I, I'm telling you, man, it, it is it is going to be it is going to be a heck of a season. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, and I got to tell you, you know what's funny? I almost thought in, in seeing Coach Simmons at Media Day, obviously a lot of people, you know, welcoming him, welcome, welcoming him back to the SWAC. Uh, he was very, I thought, very poised and uh, reserved. Um, and I, I tell you, the, it, talking to Marquise and Keenan, they too, you know, they, they, I, cause I asked them flat out. I said, did you guys happen to ask coach anything about the swag, about any of the sites or anything like that? And they, <laughs> they both admitted, nah, not really. 
you know, they, they really have taken on the personification of coach Simmons, you know, and I, I think whenever you get what, what I've noticed when you get coach Simmons in one-on-one situations and interviews, he really lets his personality out. But when he's in settings like that, he's poised, man. I tell you, he, he, he was as cool as the other side of the pillow as the late great Stu Scott would say. I mean, I mean, you, you could really see, you know, that there wasn't, you know, he, he, there, there was that, there was just a presidential feel to him that, that he knew he was back amongst peers in his, in his environment, but he knew he was bringing a championship team. And what I think made a point of not really wanting to say anything that would give anybody, anybody a room to sort of say, Oh, here come the Rattlers all big, bad and cocky. And here comes Willie. Willie's got a great record. You know, shotgun has got a great record against some of these schools in the SWAT. There was none of that. There was none of that, none of that at all. And I, and I thought that was, uh, that was real interesting to kind of see. Well, I think that's wisdom. I I just think that that comes along with the territory. You, you know, they, they, Trust me, the SWAC schools after Jackson State, uh, FAMU is probably job number one, uh, team number one. And then, of course, Alcorn and Southern. Um, but, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, they know what's ahead of them. They also know how we didn't finish um, in, in uh, 2019 and also 2018. And so making it a point to take it one game at a time to have that mentality one play at a time, one moment at a time. And to just really hone in and focus. Those are all elements of what the little things that what it takes to be a championship caliber team, but this team is extremely athletic and I believe it's probably coach Simmons best team ever. So, um, this is going to be this is going to be definitely interesting. I will just go out on this note and say this. Um, they said that it's Alabama AM's home game. I'm going out on a limb to say if COVID doesn't hit us, if COVID if COVID doesn't hit us, fam, you will take seven to ten thousand people to Huntsville, Alabama. Ooh. Okay. Wow. Straight so- up. Take up, fill up that entire side of the uh and they side too. I'm telling you, side too. It's going we we we're going to take at least seven to ten thousand people to Huntsville, Alabama. If both teams live up the expectation and the swag east title is probably on the line, then I agree with Kofi. It it will be uh, a well-attended game. Yeah. Um before we go to bold predictions to kind of close this show let me just kind of run through anybody who didn't know or wanted to know about the preseason player of the year defensive player of the year of course uh now the SWAC has a thing where they pretty much recycle from the previous uh regular season so if you know and and if you were the second team guy from the end of the regular season well from the preseason you're either one step up if there's nobody in front of you. So, you know, if anyone was looking and say, oh, how come there's nobody from Florida A&M on the defense? I mean, we all know, you know, for example, you know, Marquise Bell will probably be the best defensive player in in this 
in this league might be the true pro, a definite pro prospect uh, in a lot of people's eyes. Uh, you know, obviously he was not on the preseason first team, but again, going with how the SWAC does their their preseason teams, first team, they basically take from the previous regular season, move everybody up. So Aquil Glass was the preseason player of the year. Jordan Lewis was the preseason defensive player of the year. Both of those two young men from Alabama A&M and Southern respectively are the two who won the national awards in the FCS. Uh, Glass was the Black College Player of the Year, Black College Football Hall of Fame Player of the Year. Jordan Lewis, I believe, won the uh, FCS Defensive Player of the Year. So, uh, and I don't think we had anyone from Florida A&M make the uh, offensive first or second team on the second team defense. That's where we saw uh, Ronaldo Flowers, defensive lineman. That's where we saw Marquise Bell, defensive back. Obviously, uh, and then, of course, we had Chris Fadul as the punter on second team. And, and I would look for those three names, as well as a few others, to make the first team. So don't anybody go overreact about how come Rattlers didn't end up on the you know, preseason teams. That's, that's just not how the uh, SWAC does it. But we will be there at the end. So let's do this. Let's get ready to wrap up our, our SWAC preview or review, rather, with a bold prediction. Let's go bold prediction from the conference. Um, let's, let's go, let's go, let's go one non-FAMU and then one FAMU related. So let's do, let's do it like that. So let's start, uh, Kelvin, let's go with a non-FAMU SWAC bold prediction. So I will go with that Alabama State will have a good chance to finish second in the conference on the East. That's my bold prediction. I like you. I think there'll be uh, an annual potential. I think they'll find a way to beat Stone, and I think they'll find a way to beat Jackson. So I'm, I'm, I'm predicting Alabama State to potentially finish second in East. All right. How about you, Kofi? Oh, hold on. You had one more, Kelvin? No, no, you can go ahead and let Kofi get in. Uh, per review finishes second in the SWAC West. Ooh. Perfect. I, I could see that. I, I, I like that. I went back and was looking at something about preview and was like, man, have I, have I undervalued this team? I, I like that. Um, I was trying to think of something new because I know I had said a couple previously when I was at uh, SWAC Media Day. I, I, I said Alabama State and Grambling would win their major classics. Uh, Grambling would win the Bayou, Alabama. Um, Alabama State would win the Magic City. But I'm going to – I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to go bold prediction and kind of say that Bethune-Cookman will be a game out of first place going into the Florida Classic. 
So that's sort of, it goes against my, my already, I've already charted out wins and losses for every team. So it goes against what I've already predicted, but I'm just, after talking it out with you guys, and, you know, I'm just, I'm going to say there'll be a game out. They're going to be in the hunt and they're going to be a pain in our, in our side. So it'll make it all the sweeter beating them, but uh, I'm just going to put that out there. All right, let's go to FAMU, FAMU related bowl prediction, bowl prediction. Who wants to go first? Our goal, and I'm predicting Marquis Bell to be the defensive player of the year in the swag. Bowl prediction, uh, FAMU wins the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. Wow. Wins the SWAC and the Celebration Bowl. Okay. Um, Bowl prediction. I'm trying to see something that we, that I haven't put up there. Um, (coughs) I'm going to go, you know, I've got I've got FAMU going seven and one in the regular season um, in the conference, seven and one. But I think that loss, that loss is not to, I got to go back and look. It's not to Alabama A&M. It's actually a road game because we have two consecutive road games against Southern and UAPB. And I, you know, I got a feeling that that's going to be the one little stumble in conference that we might have. I, I like our chances going to Alabama A&M. I just think having to go Southern, then UAPB, and then the UAPB game sits right before the Bethune game. That's the game that worries me. So if I if I've got us finishing seven and one i've got us winning the conference or i'm winning the uh the division playing all corn in the championship um at that time i'd probably put my homer hat on and, and then say we you know i'd want us i'd want us to go ahead and win that but i i'm going to say that 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 one loss the the game that worries me is uapb but i think we could very well see a 10 win season this year and and of course our our big you know paycheck game is at USF. I, I got to go back and look and see what USF has, but I don't think there's going to be any fear. There's no fear factor in that game. I don't think there's a, and I think we've got some pro prospects on that field along with USF. I I can see us winning that game. So I, I don't know. My bold prediction is FAMU wins ten wins wins ten this year. Now that that could also include, you know, what saves me is that we can play a we play a twelve game schedule and then we 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 got ten there. So, you know, I'm, but I'm predicting. See, I'm covering myself there. Just I see. Predict, you see that I'm I'm predicting a ten win season this year. That's my bold prediction. <laughs> I like right. it. Uh, look, want to remind you. Let us know what you guys if you're out there uh, on Twitter, Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. Let us know your prediction. Your who is FAMU going to be playing in the SWAG championship game? I think all three of us have FAMU going to the SWAG championship game. I think we got a little difference of opinion on who we might play. Uh, you know, so let us know your thoughts. Who will FAMU play on that other side? What's going to be our record? 
I, we're going to lose one, two. There's across the board, nobody in SWAC media covering SWAC thinks anybody goes unbeaten. Can FAMU go unbeaten? You let us know. Let us know. And, and also, something upcoming. We were talking about this off air. We're going to be putting together our 10 most impactful players for the upcoming season. We, we still have to break down uh, the rest of this non-conference schedule. And, but we're going we're gonna to try to get into breaking down this roster a little bit and try to share with you our thoughts on the 10 most impactful players of the upcoming season. Uh, we've got a few more things up ahead down the road. I uh, want to make sure you, you uh, stay tuned in with us. Kofi, any final thoughts you want to share with Rattler Nation before we, before we uh, put, a, put a bow on this one? Yes, I want to say that uh, if FAMU, for whatever reason, quote unquote, does not finish first in the swag and we finish second and go to the playoffs and do damage, I would have, I would still be happy. I, I agree with you. I, you know, it's funny you say that, Kofi, because that is my prediction with the SWAT. Somebody who finishes second is going to the playoffs. I don't know who it's going to be, but you're right. I, I like that. I like your thinking there. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Nice job. Kelvin, what do you got? I just want to encourage Rattler Nation to make sure that they do get their vaccination and encourage others who they know that are not vaccinated do the same. Be safe so that we can enjoy a full Rattler football season, athletic season, period, and that we can be able to come together and and fellowship some. So please, Rattler Nation, get your vaccine. There we go. Um, My final thoughts, uh, two of them. One, as I was doing some research on the Orange Blossom Classic, Orange Blossom Classic, you know, we played Jackson State twice in the Orange Blossom Classic, 1961 and 1962. In 61, there were 47,000-plus in attendance at the old Orange Bowl Stadium. And that today is still the record for most fans in attendance I'm curious, will we have more than 47,000 at the game at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami Gardens this year? If it ain't no COVID, I would say yes. If COVID doesn't affect the game, I would say yes. They've done a phenomenal job of marketing the game and making it big. And uh, I would also say that uh, they've actually um, – have Jackson State not just this year, but they have Jackson State scheduled next year for the Orange Blossom Classic as well. So um, that's going to be interesting to say the least. I think that's a you know that's interesting for Jackson State. But uh, I'm I'm happy to see that things are moving and progressing, and the restoration of the Orange Blossom Classic is back. And I heard Ad Gauthier. I don't know where I heard him say this that the FAMU side has been sold out. So I, you've heard that too, Kelvin, I'm sure. Okay. Yes, I've, I've seen that. Okay. So, yeah. So that just, you know, I don't know what our percentage or our allotment was, but something we'll have to find out. But yeah. we have sold out our side. I know Jackson State is in the midst of pushing to try to sell out their side. So very well, we, we could see four plus 40. Again, the COVID factor will be interesting to see how that plays into all of this. 
Uh, and my second thought, my second reminder will be an encouragement to go and download the BCSN pod zone. So uh, a, a good opportunity to catch all of the shows that are part of the Black College Sports Network in one location. So all of the shows, our show, uh, shows like Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab, the Carlos Brown Show, the pregame show. If you want to find out what's going on with those Jackson State Cats, uh, you know, just um, and, and even some other stuff, other features will all be a part of that. So BCSN Pod Zone, P O D Z O N E. Search anywhere you download, listen to your uh, podcast, uh, and you can catch up with all of our shows and this show will be there uh upcoming so want to encourage you to go be a part of that and again like and subscribe at ong strike zone so that's going to do it for this episode and when we come back we'll have uh we'll have some more in the next episode of the uh strike zone if we keep it all family related and i'm sure we're getting closer we're talking some volleyball guys uh we gotta oh, get this oh you got to get into some volleyball talk because the ladies are going to be taking the court here pretty soon. Their season is about to uh, tip off as well. So that's going to do it for this. For Kofi Hemingway, Kelvin Rozier, I'm Brian Fulford. Make sure Rattlers strike, strike, strike again. Go get vaxxed up. Be safe out there. Be well. Peace out.